This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, September 27th, 2020. On this day in 1888, London's Central News Agency received the first piece of correspondence from the Victorian-era serial killer known as Jack the Ripper. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering one of the most famous letters from Jack the Ripper, which was received on this day 132 years ago. Though the letter is now widely regarded as a hoax, its mocking tone and chilling predictions of future crimes transfixed the public, creating a larger-than-life persona for the notorious murderer. Let's go back to London's East End on September 27, 1888, just as the workday was beginning. It had been nearly three weeks since Annie Chapman's remains were found on Hanbury Street, and Thomas Bullen was looking for a story. As a reporter for London's Central News Agency, Bullen had closely followed the gruesome murders in the city's Whitechapel district, where two women, Marianne Nichols and Annie Chapman, were found dead around a week apart. The press had a field day with the so-called Whitechapel murders, covering front pages with images of the crime scenes and speculation about the perpetrator's identity. Without a name to attach to the case, for now they called him the Red Fiend or Leather Apron. Accusations and rumors of his true identity flew through the East End. Some said the man responsible had to be a working-class butcher, while others said he was an upper-crust doctor or aristocrat preying upon poor, disaffected sex workers. But anyone could be a suspect, and London was on high alert. Weeks went by without another victim. Chapman and Nichols' bodies were quietly buried in the City of London Cemetery. Several suspects were arrested, but ultimately deemed innocent. The killer had gone dormant, and it seemed there was nothing new to say about the Whitechapel murders. Then a letter crossed Thomas Bullen's desk. Addressed to the boss at the Central News Agency, it was two pages long, and handwritten in tidy cursive. Dear boss, it began, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. It was from the killer, or at least someone claiming to be him. He wrote, I am down on whores, and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. The writer sounded delighted, almost gleeful when talking about his killings. 
The cursive was scratched out in bright red ink, but the author said he'd planned to write it in blood. He wrote, I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The author ended the letter with a final threat. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for jolly. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Then he signed, Good luck, yours truly, Jack the Ripper. At first, the letter was not taken seriously. Mailbags all over London bulged with false missives from the Whitechapel murderer. This one featured a new nickname, but was otherwise no different. The central news agency forwarded the letter to Scotland Yard, who filed it away, thinking it to be a hoax. But when the Ripper struck again on September 30th, the details of the murder brought attention back to the letter. The threat to clip the lady's ears off became all too real when investigators found that a section of victim Catherine Eddowes' right ear had been removed at the crime scene. Suddenly, the Dear Boss letter seemed too prophetic to ignore. Had a prankster simply gotten lucky? Or did the Ripper make good on his letter's promise to get to work right away? Next, we'll discuss how the letter affected the investigation and who could have been behind the hoax. Hey listeners, I want to take a quick moment to introduce you to the newest ParCast original on the block. It's called Incredible Feats, and it's a short weekday show hosted by comedian Dan Cummins. Every weekday, Dan shares a true account of physical strength, mental focus, or genuine bizarre behavior, going behind the scenes and into the achievements of world-class athletes like Dean Carnassus, who once ran for nearly 81 hours without stopping, and performance artists like Lucky Diamond Rich, who boasts layers of tattoos in the most unlikely places, and even everyday people thrown into extraordinary circumstances, like Juliana Kopka, who was forced to survive alone in a rainforest for 11 days. Incredible Feats is offbeat entertainment that's sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful, and always surprising. New episodes air daily, Monday through Friday. Search Incredible Feats and follow free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On September 27th, 1888, a letter from Jack the Ripper arrived at a London news office. In the wake of a gruesome double murder, the Dear Boss letter seemed like a piece of evidence that couldn't be ignored. With the investigation at a standstill and trust in the police rapidly waning, Commissioner Sir Charles Warren ordered his department to make the contents of the letter public. 
Officers pasted poster-sized versions of the letter outside police stations and handed out copies, hoping that someone in the city could identify the killer's handwriting. But this surge of publicity completely backfired. The crowdsourced handwriting analysis didn't get detectives any closer to unmasking the killer, or for that matter, the letter's author. It did, however, inspire imitators, and within days, mailboxes were flooded with more bogus Jack the Ripper letters than investigators could handle. The Metropolitan Police was already stretched thin by the Ripper investigation and the needs of a rapidly growing London, so following up on a massive wave of letters drained detectives' resources and may have bought the actual killer enough time to hide his identity forever. The last murder definitively tied to Jack the Ripper occurred on November 9, 1888 after the body of Mary Jane Kelly was found mutilated and disemboweled in her bed. Most historians believe that the Ripper was never seen or heard from again. The identity of Jack the Ripper is one of the most contested facts in the true crime world, but the identity of the Dear Boss letter writer is a bit more straightforward. Though some experts still believe it to be genuine, most are certain that the letter was a hoax, not the product of the killer himself. But if it wasn't the creation of an unhinged criminal trying to mock the police, what was it? Who stood to gain from fresh clues about the Whitechapel murders and a catchy new name for the murderer? In a memoir published in 1910, ex-Scotland Yard official Sir Robert Anderson admitted that the Dear Boss letter is the creation of an enterprising London journalist. It made sense that the letter came from inside the newsroom. After all, the author had sent it to a news agency, not a newspaper, which showed they had at least some knowledge of the press industry. And of all agencies, it showed up at the Central News Agency, which had a reputation for distributing highly sensationalized stories at a cheap rate. The motivation seems pretty simple. Creating a hoax letter signed by the murderer could reignite the story that had dominated London's papers for weeks. And while modern journalists have strict ethical standards of objectivity and integrity, reporters in the 19th century had nothing of the sort. The exaggerated, sensationalized style of reporting known as yellow journalism was in vogue, and speculative or entirely fabricated articles were not out of the norm. All that mattered was that they sold papers. Of the crop of journalists working in London at the time, one stood out as the most likely suspect. John George Littlechild, another retired investigator, was asked about the letters in 1913. According to him, it was generally believed at the Yard that Tom Bullen was the originator. That's right. Thomas Bullen, the reporter who is said to have received the letter, is also widely regarded as its creator. Bullen was closely intertwined with Scotland Yard, and investigators even relied on him for information. He may have seen the letter as a decent way to reignite public interest and boost sales, or as a simple prank to pull on his associates in the police. Either way, he probably had no idea how far-reaching the consequences would be. 
Despite most evidence pointing to Bullen, the coincidence around the letter's promise to cut a woman's ear off and the disappearance of Catherine Eddowes' ear has yet to be explained. The threat to send the ear to the police was never carried out, and there's always the chance that the ear was accidentally slashed by the killer during his violent attack. Ultimately, the Dear Boss letter took the gruesome street crimes of 1888 and elevated them to the level of modern myth. It was instrumental in creating the modern boogeyman we now know as Jack the Ripper. The subsequent media blitz created a larger-than-life villain for the Victorian era, one who continues to haunt and fascinate the public more than 100 years after his reign of terror. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the Whitechapel murders, check out our episodes of Unexplained Mysteries that explore more Ripper theories. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Kylie Harrington, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey, ParCasters, don't forget to check out the brand new Spotify original from ParCast, Incredible Feats. Join host Dan Cummins as he explores true accounts of weird, wonderful, and all-out wild achievements. New episodes premiere daily Monday through Friday. Search Incredible Feats and follow free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.